WWF, what the world is watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, she's no, 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 no. A little more biceps, a little more tries. You better try some more of this. Welcome to the second season and the first episode of the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett, and I had an idea, I don't know, 15, 16 months ago now, that I wanted to do a wrestling-specific podcast. I wanted to have an idea, something I could do to expand into the wrestling world, and to hopefully attract more listeners for the sportscasters. I wanted a side project. I wanted my mad season to Pearl Jam, you know, or my firm to Bad Company or Led Zeppelin. Uh, A side project, uh, something with other artists, someone to collaborate with. I knew I wanted to focus on Hulk Hogan, and I knew from my time on the internets that the perfect maniac for this project was out there, and his name is Hollywood Dave Rollins. And here we are together after one full season, 25 episodes, still standing as we start season two. Dave, welcome in, brother. What's going on, my man? We are here with the Richie April of season, season two. Yes, Richie has uh, <laughs> emerged from jail, um, and we'll see if he challenges Tony's authority. Um, or if Tony has to tell him who's the motherfucking fucking boss. And, uh, too all the way, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm over the moon with the excitement. It's almost like one of those things, Steve, like you start doing a podcast. I know I know so much about 80s wrestling and the Hulkster, this and that. But then you start th- thinking if you do a few, who the hell's going to listen to me? Who would want to listen to me? Then recently dur- during a holiday, I was, I was taking a walk and I ran into it was my friend Gary. We were friends in high school and... um you know, we don't have each other's phone numbers anymore or anything like that. You know, acquaintance, friend acquaintances. And, you know, we exchange pleasantries. And he goes, oh, by the way, I love your podcast. I'm like, what? You listen to my podcast? It's just like, it's just like a crazy feeling. Yeah. Like, Gary, Gary, if you're listening, what's up? Welcome to season two. Hey there, Gary. Yeah, man. And, and a similar experience for me was during the end of the year when people were getting their wraparounds 
for Spotify, and we're on the most played playlists, top five podcasts, and some guy from, yeah. you know, Montana's phone. It's crazy, you know, but we appreciate everyone who's listening. I think we did a great job with season one. We want to do even better with season two. Speaking of better, one thing we're trying to improve is the sound quality, especially on Dave's end. Dave's new to the game. He's low tech. We're speeding no. up. We're speeding him up as quick as we can, but he did purchase, and we're very proud of him, a microphone for his iPhone, and we're kind of experimenting with it tonight. Now, we've already recorded the last segment with Paula, and there was some glitches here and there. We're going to record this segment, see how it goes, but if there's any sound abnormalities, just hang with us this week. Uh, We're just uh, sorting it out with Dave's new equipment, and then by the next episode, we should be up and running fine and also we're going to make sure that the next segment and the segment after that are pristine quality but you may notice a little bit here or in the last segment uh, with the that's sound one. quality that's two. yeah so far so good so fingers are crossed i got my eyes peeled on the levels and we'll see how it goes dave i remember in school when i'd come back after christmas break my favorite thing to do is the teacher would write on the board, what did you do with your Christmas vacation? Wow. Um, and it's well, it's on the board here in the classroom, the 24-inch podcast classroom. Dave, what did you do with your Christmas vacation this year? Uh, well, you know, like things have slowed down a little bit. Uh, it wasn't really a vacation. Like we did the last uh, show, the Noel's Bar, the Master Movie, I was on vacation. That was uh, the week prior to Christmas. So I went back to work. After Christmas is a pretty normal week, but I'll talk about my actual Christmas that weekend. You know, it fell on a Saturday. Uh, we had the normal uh, Roland's condensed Christmas. You know, some people are no longer with us. You know, we don't really get together with the cousins and stuff like we used to either. But uh, all I got to say to really wrap it up, a Christmas tree did go out the window and some wrapping paper went on fire. So it was a pretty normal Roland's Christmas. Was there year. fighting? You promised that there In could Carney, be fire. Well, the Christmas tree going out the that, window. That, that was the part, fight? Certainly part. It had nothing to do with the fire. One of the things okay. had nothing to do with each other. All right. And the best part is it had nothing to do with me. Dave was Zero. innocent. You were in the innocence. You know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, 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 even though the crowd has gotten smaller, the fights get bigger, brother. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Everybody's over it. You know, even later in the night, everybody's over it. I guess it's just. One of those things with family. There's always that one person. That did you have? Really did you have the feast of the seven fishes? No seven fishes. Uh, no shrimp, shrimp and garlic. You know what I mean. And uh, you know your normal pastas and different things like that. A lot of red wine. You know. Best uh, gift this year. Best gift this year. That's a good question. Um, my my dad. He's uh, he got me a lot of cool uh, shirts. He goes to BJ's. I don't know if you have BJ's wholesale club. Oh, yeah. He's obsessed with BJ's. that place. Yep. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how good of shirts they are, but he's always very proud of them. He gets me like 10 shirts from there. So I, that's always very thoughtful of him. Uh, my sister got me a cool a cool vest. I'm, I'm a big vest guy because it hides my you know, the, my weight gain and my beer belly a lot and makes me look almost normal again. And uh, I got a lot of bottles of wine, about five bottles of wine from different people and about six Dunkin' Donuts cards. And that pretty much wraps it all up. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anything, anybody. Did you do anything for New Year's? New Year's. New Year's Eve. Um, New Year's Eve, yeah. I got together with a few friends. Uh, Chet involved. Uh, my friend Jen. Uh, Jerry. Jerry Stewart, as you know. The four of us went out for some drinks. And then we met up with 
an old time old timer, old time friend, Robert Gerstenmeyer. If you're listening out there, what's up, Gerst? And then uh, we went to a different bar, just normal, normal bar hopping, nothing too out of this world. It's been pretty quiet. Did you and Jerry yeah, kiss at midnight? Yeah, I, I no, I did be kissing the end of edge, edge of my fist. That Mark, <laughs> and he's not a re- he's not a Mark with wrestling. He's a Mark with everything else in life. Yeah, and he's Dave gets <laughs> him in kidding, trouble. Jerry, Dave gets him in trouble. Yeah, Dave gets. I love you, Jerry. I'm just kidding. But I know you don't know how to play a podcast anyway, so I can say whatever the fuck I want about you. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. I'm glad you had a good Christmas. Happy New Year. Things are great here in Buffalo, too. Yeah, quiet. Paula got her her very first American Girl doll from my brother. She's pumped about that. It's an 80s one. It was an American Girl. Yeah, it's an 80s one, so she's loving loving life there. It was good. That's very cool. Good times here. All right. um, Season one. It's all in the archives. I'd love for you to go back to it if you're just joining us for the first time now. Um, we have a spreadsheet uh, back at our headquarters, and uh, the episodes span from uh, 1985, I believe. We didn't do 84, right? Or did we do 184? Yeah, we did the uh, the Hulk and Sheik. Of course, 84, yeah. um, and then all the way to WrestleMania 18. So that was the range. Yeah, we even done a uh, couple of 84. We did a stud. Stud thing. Oh, and the Spectrum. Spectrum, Spectrum, Uh yeah. So we went from 84 to whatever year WrestleMania 18 was. 2002, I think. Yeah, 2002. And uh, all kind of stops in between. And we plan the same this year. Um, But there's some other things to expect uh, from Season 2. Here's what they are. One, we're going to try to improve the tech. Try to make it better, sound better. We're going to try to improve our consistency Try to be here every two Thursdays, putting out a show as much as we can. We'll do the yep, best yep. there. Something we're going to do our best at. We're also going to do an appearance for the first time. We're going to get a table at WrestleCon, 80s WrestleCon in New Jersey. That's May 7th. Hopefully, we'll see a lot of people out there. Yeah, Men in Sports Arena, old WWF stopping grounds at one time and, and, in um, Morristown, New Jersey. And the number one thing we're going to do is just enjoy the era. You know, Enjoy the matches, the moments and the pop culture and everything else that surrounds uh, the era that we we love so much, not just in, but also out of the ring. Uh, We're going to have Paula. Uh, She's going to be on. We're trying to get her on every episode for at least a little bit. I know everyone loves to hear from her. Um, And she'll be on to talk about her emails and her opinions, which are always pretty unique. We just spent about a week and a half watching WrestleMania 4. She's come such a long way from just growing up, seeing a kid grow up from the beginning when we first started this a year ago, more than a year ago now till now, it's like night and day. It's I can't, unbelievable. I can't imagine what it's going to be like even in a year. But she'll be yeah. at 80s WrestleCon too. We'll be out of it. We'll be out of a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly I will for sure. It'll be you'll be like there'll be a coup. Paula and Dave are going to overthrow me, kick me out of the Heart Foundation. We're going to have our own show, brother. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be out. I'm going to be uh, Danny Davis going back to the going back to Jack Tunney asking if I can have my <laughs> my referee shirt back. Uh, they don't want me in the Heart Foundation anymore. Uh, but she'll be out in New Jersey as well, so hopefully you can come see her. Any other thoughts or expectations for uh, New Jersey or for Season 2, brother? Uh, yeah, I just want to start, you know, we're going to start digging into maybe a little deeper. Uh, maybe stuff like with an early Hogan with Freddie Blassie when he was a bad guy. We're definitely going to do that. WWF, sure. yeah. you know. Before Mania. I want to do one of those before me. Yeah, Mania. do one of yeah. those. Yeah, maybe some AWA stuff even when Hulkamania first started the bubble. Yes. You know, 1982, 1983 with Nick Bockwinkle. Looking at some of that stuff, you know. 
maybe, maybe not this season, but maybe by season three, we might even peak our peak our noses into TNA. You know, he didn't really. He only had about two or three matches there, but uh, you know, he was on a bunch of shows in the year 2010, 11, and 12. Just stuff to check out there. And one thing I always like to say about our podcast, you know, there could be things that you know may agitate me, the Melser stuff, and different things agitate Steve. But we're never going to really hate on something entirely. We might say no, we might not like that. We want to have say fun. Something about, because there's so much. Anytime you look at a wrestling post on Facebook and click on the comments, it's like, oh my God, so much negativity and hate and all this crap. I just want to get away from all that. So if you're looking for that kind of stuff, you're not going to find it here at the 24 Inch Podcast. Maybe with Melzer and CM Punk a little, but even so, with like Punk, I try to throw in something good about him too if I'm bringing tearing him down. But, um, you know, there's not going to be much talk about that anyway because it's a little more current. The number but, one thing uh, we're here to do yeah. is love Hulk. You got it. You know what I mean? We want to love Hulk. We want to talk about what made Hulk great, what made Hulkamania run wild the way it did uh, in the decade, decades we love. And we love Hulk. We love the era. And we want to talk about the, yeah, the moments that total, made it great. And not 100% kiss ass. We can be so critical. Be some, when yeah, there's going to be some yeah. moments here yeah. and there. Absolutely. Yep. But and without tearing the whole thing down, just saying, I don't agree. I think it should have went this way. You should have. He should have reacted to this another way without going crazy and being a lunatic like some of these people are and i online. should say out of control i should say dave and remind anyone who's been here before or anyone who's new we do grade things relative to hulk right so anytime we're talking about a star rating or we're making a comparison we're doing it in terms of hulk we're not trying to put a match from 1985 and hold it to the standards of wrestling journalists in 2022 yeah, you know, right. you we're know, not, or even Steamboat Flair. It's not that. Yeah, it's not. We're, we're we're rating relative to Hulk's career and Hulk's matches, and that it's important to keep track of. But I just tend to be passionate more about the things I love than the things I hate. And I'm the kind of guy that when I love something, I love it for life. And the A Team is a great example. I've been a fan of the A Team since 1983. Paul and I watch an episode a week. Probably still to this day. Cool. You know, the music that I love, the bands I've loved since I loved the bands years and years and years. I'm you the know, same way, my man. The, te- the sports teams. I've been a Saints fan since 1987, a Sabres fan since 1983. You know, I don't, I'm not a flip flopper like that. And, and, and the way the podcast can be good is if Dave and I, are, Dave and I are passionate and Paul is passionate. And what I'm passionate about more is the things I love. Um, than the things I don't. And um, so you're going to get more of what we love than what we don't. That's Uh, the way it always should be. And starting today on today's show, uh, we're going to kick off the year the way the year in wrestling kicked off so often in the era uh, that we loved. And that's with a new episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Um, From 1986 right on through the show's run, pretty much, uh, the first weekend of January meant the first episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, Saturday Night's Live would usually take the week off uh, to celebrate the holidays, and it would mean a great wrestling card, and we're going to cover one tonight, the 1986 uh, January episode of Saturday Night's Main Event uh, from down in Florida. It's one that had a theme. It's an early episode. Was this the fourth episode? Uh, yeah, it's the fourth episode. No, it's the fifth episode. Fifth? Fourth episode fifth? of the okay. season. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the fifth episode of the show, still in its early stages. 
still kind of feeling its way. I, I kind of always felt like. No, my apologies. It's the, it's the fourth episode. You're right. Fourth okay. episode entirely. Okay. Fourth episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Still, show's still kind of growing. Uh, but this is kind of the way they, we do it. We're going to take a break in a second. When we come back, uh, we're going to do the bio of Hulk's opponent. Um, and if we've already done Hulk's opponent, maybe we'll do someone else related to the show. Uh, but in this case, it's Terry Funk, and we have not done Funk yet. So we'll do a That's quick an important one. Yeah, we'll do a quick bio of Terry Funk. Uh, we'll also look at the arena uh, where this match was held. Um, which is also one we haven't covered. If it comes up again, maybe we'll cover a different angle. Maybe we'll find something about the city. Um, you know, one time I know we were doing a show around Thanksgiving time, so we talked about wrestling and Thanksgiving. We usually do that in the second segment. Then when we come back in the third segment, one of the crown jewels of the podcast, the first thing we do, we read the news from when the match was held or when the match was recorded. For example, tonight this match was recorded in December of 85 we're going to read the news from december of 85 so we've already read the news from january of 86 so keep the news fresh that way uh then we're going to go match by match on the saturday night's main event saving hulk's match to last then we'll do hulk's match blow by blow then we'll rate it take a last break come back read your emails give some plugs and let you know what we're going to do on the next show so that's how we're going to break it down i think we're all set for tonight dave you good are you ready to start season two I am more than ready to start season two, brother. I'm ready to kick some ass. I just hope it doesn't end with Janice shooting you. Yeah, uh, watch out. Watch out for that. That'd be terrible. She loved him. She did. But it was nice because Tony ended up burying him on a hill by the sun. (laughs) So it was really nice of Tony to do that for her. Great, great heel. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to have the jacket on. I'm going to wear the jacket. I'm going to get that. Yeah, I'm going to put the jacket on. And uh, we're going to start talking about Terry Funk uh, and wrestling in Tampa, Florida. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 years in the making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown, it's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. The first B segment of the year, and of course tonight we're covering Saturday night's main event from the USF Sun Dome uh, in Tampa, Florida, on the campus, as they say, of the University of South Florida. The venue is now called the Yingling Center. But before we get carried away on that, let's talk about Hulk's opponent on the night. And his name is Terry Funk, an absolute legend. One of the all-time Of professional wrestling. He was born June 30th, 1944 in Hammond, Indiana. Uh, He's 77 years young to this day where he lives in Amarillo, Texas. 
uh, on the ranch. His alma mater is West, West Texas State University, which means he's one of many wrestlers who played football at West Texas State uh, and then became a wrestler. Guys like Ted DiBiase and Tito Santana and give me a couple more, Dave. Uh, Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard, who's a quarterback, sure. I believe, there. I believe so, yes. Uh, he's been married to his wife, Vicky, uh, from 1965 until her passing in 2019. Uh, that was very sad. Two children. Of course, his father was Dory Funk, his brother Dory Funk Jr., both you know, accomplished wrestlers of their own. He's had many ring names. Of course, Chainsaw Charlie, yeah. uh, Dr. Knows-It-All, The Texan, The Black Baron, and Terry Funk. Six foot one, two forty seven, built from Amarillo, Texas. Uh, trained by Dory Funk, debuted in nineteen sixty five, and retired, I guess, officially now uh, in two thousand seventeen. Wow! Yeah, I didn't even realize he had a match two thousand seventeen, or I <laughs> forgot about it. Um, crazy. So, like I said, he was born in Indiana, and then after World War Two, is when his family relocated to Texas. Um, they grew up in the business. His dad was a wrestler and a promoter. Uh, and after he graduated high school, uh, he went to West Texas State, which, by the way, is now West Texas A&M University. Uh, and he was a two-athlete star there, not only football, but also amateur wrestling. And then in 65, he started his career working in his father's Western State sports promotion in Amarillo, Texas. And his debut match was against... Mm. Debut match. Not Jack Briscoe. That's who he won a title from. Sputnik Monroe. I've heard that name. Absolutely. Yeah, he's got his own page. Yeah. Good old Sputnik. That's like a Jim Cornette, I yeah. think. Uh, name of topic. For topic of name. Rig names. Elvis Rock Monroe. Pretty Boy Rock. Rock Monroe. Sputnik Monroe. Wichita, Kansas. Good for him. Uh, he and his brother quickly rose up the ranks as a tag team and in single matches against top names like Ernie Ladd and Hank James. You're stealing money, Bundy. <laughs> Bundy, Bundy, <laughs> Bundy. Uh, he moved on to the NWA Championship Wrestling from Florida in 1970. And in 75, he defeated Jack Briscoe for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in Miami uh, when Dory failed to appear for a title shot. He began a 14-month title reign defending the title against guys like Jack Briscoe, Dusty Rhodes, Carlos Racha, Giant Baba, Pat O'Connor. In addition to North America, he went to Australia, Japan, and Singapore with the belt. And his historic title reign ended in Toronto when he was defeated by... The handsome one, Harley Race. Yes, who had earlier beaten Dory for... NWA World Heavyweight Championship before losing it to Jack Briscoe. Uh, Race lifted Funk for a shin breaker and then trapped him in an Indian death leg lock. When Funk failed to respond to referee Fred Atkins, the match was stopped. So he pulled the old, I'm not going to give up, brother. But the match passed had to be stopped, pain. passed out from the pain, and Harley Race was the champion. During 1981. I, like, I actually like that. I like that kind of finish. Oh, yeah, uh, it's awesome. For a tough guy era, like that, too. Yeah, in our era, that was Savage uh, losing the belt back to Flair in 92. Yes. Hershey. Yeah, and of course, the famous double turn with Austin, too. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, during 81, Terry spent some time in the Continental Wrestling Association feuding with Lawler. I think everyone in wrestling spent some time doing that. 
the most okay. mem- memorable match in this feud happened in April of 81 at the Mid-South Coliseum in Tennessee. It took place in an empty arena with only Lance Russell, a cameraman, and a photographer's present. Funk had challenged Lawler to this match at this time because he felt he's getting unfairly treated in Memphis, and I'm sure he was. The confrontation only lasted a few minutes and ended with Funk trying to put Lawler's eye out with a broken two-by-four. But Lawler kicked Funk's elbow, causing him to hit himself in the eye. Uh, The tape aired on April 25th, 1981. That's a a famous one. Sorry to cut you off. But they they copied that, I guess, uh, Mankind and The Rock at that Super Bowl. Yep. Super Bowl halftime. Yeah. I remember remember watching that Rock and um, Mankind match. Mankind, yeah. Yeah, during the Super Bowl for sure. Uh, Terry and Dory also made names for themselves in Japan. Uh, Terry becoming star in the eyes of the Japanese fans with his over-the-top mannerisms. I mean, he's the perfect American wrestler in Japan, really. Um, they were heels there until they faced the Sheik and Abdullah Butcher in Tokyo. Uh, and that kind of made them faces. And they later had feuds against Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Giant Baba. The names you hear when you talk about all Japan pro wrestling from this era, right? Yeah. And that brings us to 85, where he makes his World Wrestling Federation debut after a brief run uh, with Vern in the AWA. Uh, he televised debut on Championship Wrestling. He beat... Mel Fi- oh, he beat Ricky Santana, who was known as Aldo Marino. Correct. There. But who'd he beat up? Mel Phillips. <laughs> uh, Funk attacked Phillips after Phillips made the mistake of putting on Funk's cowboy hat. You don't do that, damn it. I always when you know when I saw like I wasn't quite watching wrestling on a regular basis yet, but uh, anytime I saw clips of it, I, I just didn't get it. Like, why is he putting the hat on? And then like an, an adult watching it with me was like, oh, because running out of running out of room to carry shit. I'm like, all right, like I guess, like I, I just <laughs> never got it. Like you're asking, you're asking for it. Yeah. Like yeah. A, a good guy, a face should beat you up too for doing that. Maybe they he was asking for it. Shouldn't put like on hillbilly's hat either. You know. Yeah, maybe he was looking for some contact. Yeah. Couldn't happen uh, to a better guy. <laughs> Funk also had a gimmick of carrying a branding iron with him to ringside and use it to brand his former fallen opponents. Uh, and this attack on Phillips led to a feud with Junkyard Dog. In the mid-80s, Funk team with Dory, who was calling himself Hoss, and Jimmy Jack Funk. It was a brother storyline. Tito Santana mad- managed him. Um, and then the Terry Funk and Hoss Funk. Tito Santana did what? I'm sorry. They were managed by Jimmy, Jimmy at, at the time. He had a heated rivalry with the dog, and then the dog and Tito faced them at WrestleMania too. There we go. And Terry also had a series of matches against Hulk Hogan, and we're going to talk about one of them tonight. So that's Terry Funk up until around this point. Thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I, I just <laughs> thoughts. I, I came a little late. Like I always say on this podcast in season one, I really didn't really get into wrestling on a weekly basis and follow the storylines till summer of 86 when Orndorff turned on Hogan. But I would see pieces here and there. So I don't know if I was scared of him. I don't know if I got scared of him renting the Coliseum videos once I got into it later in 86, or I just happened to uh, watch this with my grandma and see him some, from time to time. He was scary. But one of the funnier moments that's not as scary and just funny is on the TNT show. You know, I don't even know if Terry was still there. It might have just been Jimmy Jack and Hoss. And Jimmy Hart, but they dumped all that barbecue sauce on Lord Alfred Hayes, and they tied him up to a tree. It was brutal. Like it, you feel even watching it now in, in hindsight, 
and you know all this is a joke and TNT is a funny show. You feel bad for Alfred a little bit. Yeah. I don't think Terry – I don't. I think Terry may have been already gone. I could, I'm not positive, but I think it might have just been Dory Funk Jr. and Jimmy Jack, Jesse Barr. But yeah, if anybody has, has ever seen that, it's, it's it's late in the TNT run. We got to do a uh, TNT show this year. Yeah. yeah how about that? Right? One, yet. Uh, one thing I wanted to say pick. about Terry, when I was a kid, my thought was he was so gross. Yeah. He was dirty. You know what I mean? He was in from a day of playing and not bathing dirty. You know, dirt between his fingernails. He chewed tobacco. It was just gross and yeah, th- dirty. Th- there's this one thing where he's like hanging upside down and some things they put tattles in to brand him. And he's upside down and his hair's going. His hair's, you know, flipped back upside down with that voice. He's a scary dude. Like, you'd be scared of Bundy. We were scared of, you know, Andre, the big fat guys. But Funk... Was scared. Like you weren't scared of Roddy Piper. He, you just hated him. You know, as a bad guy. I don't know if you could say you're scared of Paul Orndorff, but Funk, you were, he was scary for for not a, a big, oversized, heavy. Yeah, guy. I agree. And just uh, yeah. so dirty. All right. Well, tonight we are on the campus, as I said earlier, of the University of South Florida in Tampa, the Sun Dome, a famous, really, venue for the WWF. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, this place was built, Dave. Uh, starting in 1977, they broke ground, and it opened uh, shortly after I did, on November 29th, 1980. Made its debut just, oh. just a couple months after I made mine. There we go. It's been renovated three times in 1993, 2000, and 2011. It was built for $12 million or around $51 million in 2020 money. Not sure what that means in 2022 Joe Biden money, but significantly more, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, the architect was Barger and Dean Architects Incorporated, and its tenants have been, of course, the South Florida Bulls men's basketball team uh, and women's basketball team, and of course, the South Florida Bulls volleyball team, one of Dave's favorite college uh, teams, and oh, yeah. was famously known as the WWE Thunderdome uh, in oh, 2021. I'm glad you brought that up. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So they broke ground on this place. Uh, in 77, uh, and they, they build it over a couple years, and it opens in November. Uh, and the first two events were men's basketball games against Florida A&M and a rock concert by... Uh, okay, year we're in, we're in the early 80s. We're in 81, November of 80. 80. November of 80. Hmm. A rocker <laughs> that's very much known for the theatrics. Mr. Alice Cooper. Mr. Alice Cooper. All right. One of my favorites. In 2000, the original inflatable roof was replaced with the more conventional hard dome. Uh, oh, that, t- that takes away all its personality. Yeah, and additional facilities for the indoor sports programs were added around the main arena at about $8 bucks of a cost. Uh, and then in 2011, there was another renovation at $35 million. So They really put money into this place over and over again. And then, of course, it got those WWF dollars in 2021 after the long-term residency because of COVID-19. Yeah. And uh, WWF broadcast many shows behind closed doors. They call it the Thunderdome, and that lasted till July of 21. You know, I don't think until you said this right now that I realized it was the same place. I thought maybe it was a new arena or just I never really thought about it. Because it has so that I'm, different I'm look. Just said that. Of the, yeah, because yeah, of the roof being changed. Well, the Thunderdome anyway. You yeah. can't really tell. But, yeah, that's amazing going from – this was the place that Andre ripped Hogan's shirt with the cross. Yeah. 
You know yep. what I mean? That, that that was there's a big deal. It's the biggest superstars taping ever, which we'll be covering very shortly, probably here in season two, hopefully, or season three. Hulk, but bleeding. yeah, this you're bleeding, Hulk. You're bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, this this arena has a lot of history behind it. Now, there's a specific mention of its tie to wrestling on its uh, page here. It says that the WWE has hosted several wrestling events at the Sun Dome. It hosted Saturday night's main event for the first time in 1985, which we're talking about um, today. Because, of course, it was record- recorded in December. didn't air until January. Um, and it hosted the pay-per-view Royal Rumble in 1985, which notably saw Shawn Michaels become the first person to enter at number one and to win the match. Yeah, com- coming in coming in every minute though. Yep. <laughs> On March twenty fourth, two thousand one, that's when we said the residency was uh, started because of COVID nineteen. Um let's see what else. Uh Thunderdome got relocated to Tropicana Field eventually. Um it also wants to note that UFC has hosted UFC Fight Night, Lawson versus Stevens in two thousand nine. Also hosted Bellator 72 and 94 in 2012 and 2013. So a lot of wrestling and combat sports history here. Um, Many, many concerts. I'm sure just about anyone who's played Tampa played the arena. This is where they played. It's about a 12,000-seat arena. Not as big as what what we have in Buffalo or in Newark, Dave. but um, So smaller arena, but still a decent size, more like an AHL-type arena. Uh, maybe I'm part of what you might have in like um, uh, a lot of history. Yeah, a lot of history uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, it, it, you know what I love is that, you know, you see on the superstars taping, you know, when, when Andre with the Piper's pit, like we just mentioned, the dome, like you never saw anything like that on wrestling. I hadn't on wrestling at that point. And it was kind of like a mini silver dome. Then a few months later, WrestleMania three happens and it kind of looks like, a gigantic sun dome to a six-year-old kid. Sure. It's almost like it went hand in hand. The turn happened there in the smaller dome, and then boom, the big dome for WrestleMania three. And you never saw it, anything like that on TV before then. Thought that was really cool. Yeah, good point. Really good point. Uh, if you go to concert vet, uh, concert concertarchives.org, uh, you can get the whole history of concerts at this venue. And I promise you, it's Pages and pages and pages of concerts. They're all there. Yep. All right. Uh, that's it. It is now time for a very special part of the 24-inch podcast. It's one of my favorite parts because I can just turn down my mic and get out a Twizzler and some iced tea and listen to my man Dave tell us where Hulk Hogan was uh, in January of 1986. So take it away, Dave. I, I cede the floor to you, my friend. Yeah, I'm jealous of that Twizzler, but... Uh... Let me get started here. Well, the show we're doing tonight, obviously, is in 1986, January 4th, like Steve said earlier, but it was taped on December 19th, 1985, a few weeks mold, moldy. So what I will do is I'll do the end of 1985 and the beginning of 1986. So let's start off right with our show. December 19th, Tampa Sundome, 7800, Saturday Night's Main Event TV taping, a 10.4 rating on NBC, replacing Saturday Night Live on this Saturday night. The Hulkster Hulk Hogan takes on Terry Funk. We'll get into that match shortly. And also a lot of skits playing throughout the show is from Adventureland Water Park in Tampa, which is still standing and still operating to my knowledge. Christmas night, December 25th, Landover, Maryland at the Capitol Center. 
Hulk Hogan goes over the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The next night, Richfield, Ohio, at the Coliseum in front of 15,000 fans, the Macho Man goes over Hulk Hogan, this time via countout. December 28th, Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the Met Center. 8,500 people come to see the walking condominium King Kong Bundy defeat Hulk Hogan via countout. December 30th, Madison Square Garden, New York City, a big sellout of 20,255 people. The Macho Man Randy Savage goes over Hulk Hogan via countout. We actually covered the uh, the rematch, the January 86 show in our archives right here in the 24-inch podcast in season one. So check that out in our archives, please. Okay, now we turn the calendar over. Happy New Year, 1986. I wish we were saying that just a couple weeks ago, but instead we were saying 20 fucking 22. Um, excuse my language. Well, January 1st, New Year's Day at St. Louis at the Keel Auditorium. Only 5,400 come to see Hulk Hogan defeat Terry Funk. And there's an asterisk here that Jim Crockett Promotions was running the same city on that night. That's why you get the low attendance. However, I looked up the Jim Crockett Promotions attendance, and I didn't get an attendance. But what it did say was they had an event January 1st at also the Keel Auditorium. So I don't think there was an afternoon NWA and a night WWF. I think that would be talked about a lot more. I don't think we're just discovering that here now. And if we are, we're the best. But I'm sure that they got where we get our information from. Maybe one of the arena, probably WWF was a keel and NWA was another venue. But that's something for us and our listeners to all look into. January 1st, 1986, apparently the WWF, and the NWA were at the Keel Auditorium. Enough of that. Uh, January 4th is the night our Saturday night's main event airs on NBC. January 5th, 86, Baltimore Arena, sell out of 13,000. Hulk Hogan defeats brother Brutai, Brutus Beefcake. Beefcake was a tag team champion at that time. And I will end with this awesome, giant of a matchup here. January 11th, a big sellout, Philadelphia Spectrum, 19,710 people watched this handicap match. The team of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant defeat King Kong Bundy, Big John Stud, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Wow, I'm hot for that. Hot for that. And D'Amato, he agrees with me. We love 1986. D'Amato mentioned on the, the uh, podcast he did recently with Justin Rosero, how people do, people sleep on 86 because there's no really pay-per-views to document things. You really have to just go through the TV and that, you know, the televised house shows. But we love all the angles and different stuff that went on in 1986. Yeah, that match is something to go back and look on. Uh, that aired on Prism, I believe. I, I wouldn't see why I wouldn't have. I'd love to take a look at that. That's a cool match, brother. I'm very proud of you, Dave. You did a great job. Thank you for that. I You're very much popular welcome. segment here. People love to know what Hulk's up to. I always picture the plane, uh, the WWF on tour and the plane yes. that would come in. I always picture that uh, for that segment. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to read the news. We're going to go over the Saturday Night's Main event, and we are going to go over Hulk's match against Terry Funk. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be right back. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, 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 going. Tough, tough.
24-inch podcast coming back here, season two, experimenting a little bit with our technology, trying to improve everything for each other. Also, Dave and I have noticed we're going to have to work on these memories. We're getting to be old. We said earlier we had read the news already from January of 86. reason we think we did is because the Challenger happened. We remember bringing that up. Uh, but we definitely read the news from December of 85 when we did our Macho Man show. Um, cause I noticed a mistake on the website, which we haven't totally replaced yet. We're trying. Um, but in the end, we decided we're going to read the news from January of 86 today. So a uh, correction, uh, familiar, but Dave, with all that said, it's time to read the news. All right, Dave, January 1st, American singer Barbara Streisand and hairdresser slash film producer John Peters' romantic relationship ends. Nice for them. You know, Interesting combination there of hairdresser and film producer. Very much so. I know a girl that Barbara Streisand I don't find attractive at all. I don't think many people do. But I know a girl that looks like her, but somehow she's hot. Figure that one out. From a distance, she looks pretty good. From a distance. Uh, also January 1st, good news for our friends in Aruba uh, as they become independent from neighboring island Caraco. The magnificent Caraco. Yes. That's right around the time he went with um, with uh, Superstar, Billy Graham, right around the same time. He lost Aruba, uh, but he gained Superstar. Which it's funny cool. that you mentioned him on, on his podcast today. He said something that I never knew before, that he was originally going to be the brother love character. Crazy. Oh, I never we'll heard more, that. Man. Yeah, we'll get when we do a Mor- we'll be doing a Morocco show soon, we'll get into that. Uh January first, New York City Transit Fair raises from ninety cents to Oh God. Dollar twenty five? Dollar? Just a buck, brother. Just, just a, buck. a buck. All right. Give me a buck. Uh the seventy second Rose Bowl game, number thirteen, UCLA, uh beats number four Iowa. Um, Iowa's All-American running back, Ronnie Harmon, fumbles the ball four times in his last game. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. Al- last game, too. He'd also go on to be known in 1989. So what is that? How many years later? Five years later, he dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone as a member of the Buffalo Bills against the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And the picture of him dropping the ball, the ball bouncing off his hands, was on my grandparents' fridge for probably 15 years. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know much about sports. We all know that. But this guy's probably obviously a good player. An All-American. An All-American. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But he just, in, in the big, when it matters, it seems like when all the eyes are on him, shit gets messed up. It's a shame. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a few more bowl games on the first. Tennessee beat Miami 35-7. to uh, Michigan beat Nebraska. And in the Orange Bowl... Number three, Oklahoma beats number one, Penn State, 25-10. Wow. Claim the national championship. The star of that Oklahoma team was once a star of an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event as a guest at the ringside area. You remember this player? Yes, yes, the blonde guy. Yes. With the spiked, with the spiked hair. Yes. What's his name? Come on, Dave. Oh, give me, he, he did the gotcha gun Double Bs. Too. Double Bs. Uh, Boz, Boz. The Boz. Brian Bosworth, yes. Good enough, right? Yeah, Yeah. very good. 
<laughs> January 2nd, Islanders right winger Mike Bossy scores his 499th and 500th career goal in the final 222 to lift Boston, or excuse me, New York to a 7-5 win over Boston. He's the 11th player to score 500 goals, and he may have scored more than anyone other than Gretzky. Had it not been for knee injuries, Bossy is in the top five all time in goals per game. One of the great, great hockey players ever. I got the hockey, man, the knees. Oh, right? yeah. You must go through on ice with those skates. I couldn't even imagine that. It's a battle. Jeez. Every hockey player has a knee injury in there. Oh, in their I couldn't even imagine. I have knee injuries you know, myself. I played football in high school, but I mean, just from wear and tear after that, it's high school so long ago, but I couldn't even imagine. Crazy, man. January 4th, NCAA basketball's David Robinson uh, blocks a record 14 shots. He later go on to win an I've NBA heard, title with who, Dave? Who did David Robinson lead to an NBA title? What? How about the Pistons? How about no? How about a team in Texas? Uh, Mavericks. Dallas uh, Mavericks. No. Why don't you think of Ron Bass and what weapon he used on Brutus? Oh, the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> This is great. All right, January 4th, a, a really a great postseason. You want to talk about someone stepping up. How about Rams running back Eric Dickerson scoring twice and rushing for an NFL postseason record 248 yards and a 20 to nothing victory over the Dallas Cowboys? Whoa. Uh, what else do we got here? January 7th, the Netherlands Bank issues 250 Gilder notes, which is big. Uh, also on January 7th, President Reagan announces economic sanctions against Libya. You will right. pay Libya. January 8th, San Francisco Giants outfielder Willie McCovey is the 16th elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. One of the all-time greats. All right, I'm sure my dad would be happy about that. Big San Fran Giants fan. First baseman. Did I say outfielder? First baseman. McCovey Cove was in my head because that's in the outfield, but of course he was a first baseman. We saw them play the Phillies in 88 at the Philly uh, Stadium. I guarantee if you said to your dad, Dad, tell me what you think about Willie McCovey. It's one of his favorite guys. I will ask him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, after losing a patent battle with Polaroid, and this is a very 80s story. After losing a patent battle with Polaroid, Kodak must give up its instant camera business. Did you have a well, Polaroid camera as a kid, Dave? I think so, yeah. That, these are not the Cola Wars. These are the Film Wars. I had the Kodak version. Did you? Um, Kodak is a Rochester company, which is right down the road. Uh, and as a kid, my family had one of their instant cameras. Um, and I never had... I thought that they were coolest, right? Instant cameras? Yeah, they're awesome. We used to do... I used to work for an entertainment company with Anthony Pagano for years, actually, in my 20s. And, you know, we would do take Polaroids of, you know, people at parties for them and... You know, they pay or whatever. It was a big deal. Even back in the 2000s, huh? Uh, Mike McCready, the guitar player for Pearl Jam, uh, published a book. I don't know how many years ago. Maybe five. Let me see. What does it say? It's called Of Potato Heads. Uh, what is it called? Of Potato Heads and Polaroids. My Life Inside and Outside of Pearl Jam. And it's a collection of Polaroids he's taken over the years. He still carries a Polaroid camera everywhere and Polaroids of Mr. Potato Head? Yes, it's just it's exclusively pictures of Potato Head. That would be like a cool album cover from the 90s. Very 90s, like a Polaroid picture of Mr. Potato Head. 
That's the album cover. If it exists, it work. there's a good chance Mike McCready took the picture. There you go. Another legend of sports this month. A lot of legends here. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Lakers scores his 34,000th career point uh, during a win over the Pacers. He's the only player to reach the milestone at that time. He does remain the all-time scorer today at 38,387. And also, also an excellent history teacher. Taught uh, um, Gary Coleman very well, Arnold Jackson. One of the best. Yes. Uh, January 12th, the AFC Championship game uh, featured the New England Patriots beating the Miami Dolphins 31-14. Great news, right? Patriots, you're going to the Super Bowl. Later that day at Soldier Field, the 1985 Chicago Bears beat the Los Angeles Rams uh, 24 nothing. So Super Bowl shuffle. Yes, it's on to New Orleans, um, which we'll get to in a minute, But and I'll tell you more about it then. So it's Bears-Patriots in the, the Bears. Super Bowl. The most fam- one of the most famous NFL teams of all time. Teams without a doubt. Bears. Yep. Yeah. That, and it leaked into wrestling as well. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Montreal has a rookie goaltender. He records his first of 66 career shutouts in a 4 to nothing win against the Jets. And later that year, he'll lead the Canadiens to a Stanley Cup. What's this rookie goaltender's name, Dave? A mega, mm. mega, mega NHL star. <laughs> a French Canadian goaltender whose name sound spelled like the name of a nice young American boy, but is actually pronounced nothing like that. Can't think of nothing. You got me, brother. Patrick Waugh. Pronounced Patrick or Patrick Roy is how it's written. Never, it's Patrick never Roy. heard of him. That's a crime. Uh, I'm not, but don't I remember them now though? If he ever comes up again, yeah. Patrick Hua, like uh, Terry Silvers in Karate Kid Three. Hua, Hua. That's how I remember it. Uh, January 18th, the New York Lotto pays 30.5 million to one winner in the uh, pick six game. I guess. Can you give me the six winning numbers, Dave? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> 19. Imagine I got them. Yeah. 19. Possible. 20. 27. 34. 41. 46. Uh, also I used that to day. love uh, yeah, and, 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 uh, like 7.45 or 7.50 at night here in New Jersey, New Jersey Channel. My aunt would always put on oh. the, the, the lotto and the balls would pop up. What was that one lady's name? Yolanda Vega. Well, we probably had different. You didn't different have Yolanda Vega? You didn't have I, can't rem- I can't remember oh. any names. Oh. I, I remember the whole setup and everything. It was every night. <clears throat> uh, the age charity record, That's What Friends Are For, hits number one. Great song. Uh, they raised seventeen million dollars for cerebral palsy in a telethon. Good for them. Telethons were a big thing back then, oh, right? Yeah. In the 80s. Oh yeah. The first ever federal holiday honoring Martin Luther King Jr. is on January twentieth. Wow, it didn't start till eighty six, huh? Well, you know what? Because we were just we were in first grade. No, kindergarten. Yeah, we're kindergarten. in kindergarten here. So yep. We fit, to us. It was it always like a holiday. It was always there. Always a holiday. So like hearing that it just started that year, we didn't know we were in kindergarten. And I think Arizona was the last state to adopt it, and it was much later. Really? Yeah, Arizona. Yeah, I'll look it up in a second. But Arizona adopted it. That's like our holiday later. for our age group. You know what yeah. I mean? Good, great, you know, great always, man. Proud, always, proud to have that. Always glad to have the day off in January for sure. for the king. Uh. January 21st, Czech tennis star Ivan Lendl defeats Boris Becker uh, at the Garden to win a... Now, you, I never heard of Boris Becker before I, I met you, and, and now I know him. 
Good. I'm very so proud of you. I'll, I'll, I'll You're throw that name in ten- tennis questions. I might get it wrong, but I'll throw it out there. Patrick Waugh needs to be in the name. Patrick Waugh. I'm t- t- I remember from uh, Mr. Miyagi making fun of uh, Terry Silver in Karate Kid 3. All right. Big day of music here, Dave. January 23rd, the inaugural class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Give me some names that you think are members of the oh, inaugural class. I know, I know class. some of them. All right, let's I hear I know some it. of them. Well, Elvis. Elvis is one, yes. Were the Beatles in there? Not, no, I thought. No. Really? Yeah. Well, I should know more. Chuck Berry? Chuck Berry, yep. Oh, God, I'm, I'm going to. A few more black guys that you know for sure. <laughs> Little Richard? How about Little Richard? Little Richard? Chuck Berry? Uh, I said Chuck Berry. Oh, you did. How about uh, this? Yeah. How about uh, don't leave this guy on the table? Come on. Ow. Uh, James Brown. James Brown. Uh, how about um, how about a blind guy? Well, it's still early for Stevie Wonder, so I'll go with Ray Charles. Ray Charles, correct. Sam Cook. Sam Cook, I stand by me. Fats Domino. Fats Domino. Everly Brothers. Ooh, great, great group. Buddy Holly. And how about the uh, Four Seasons? I think it was nineteen ninety. Yeah, no four later. seasons. Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Great Richard, fire. Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, Jimmy Yancey, Alan Freed, John Hammond, and Sam Phillips. The first class of, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, a couple of those latter ones. So still, no, Motley Crue, Scorpions, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest. We go on and on. Bad Company. I'm bad Company. Uh, there's a couple more, too, big ones. Not that I'm the biggest Iron Maiden or Judas Priest, but they deserve to be in there. Sure. Uh, there's, there's other ones, too, that we, that we're just, we, we'd have to think about. Metal it. and like classic 20. rock in general, a yeah. very, very disgracefully mistreated genre by the Are rock. Are Pearl Jamming yet? They were first ballot Hall of Famers. They were first ballot? Okay. Uh, January 24th, the 43rd Golden Globes, Out of Africa, John Voigt and Whippy Goldberg are big winners. John Voigt's car. I wonder if he drove his car there. Hmm. That's a beautiful car. It really is a fabulous <laughs> machine. Uh, the pencil in the in the front. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, Super Bowl twenty, Dave. January twenty sixth, Louisiana Superdome, New Orleans, Louisiana. The Chicago Bears defeated the New England Patriots forty six to ten. The MVP was Richard Dent. It's the first Super Bowl I ever watched. I remember it clear as day where we watched it. My dad's friend Dave Dishner's house. Uh, Dave Dishner had a IROC Z twenty eight. Cool. And he laid the to sports gamble. Uh, and he, 85, 85 Bears and an IROC. Yep. Can't go wrong. He man. was all in on the Bears that day, making all kinds of money. Refrigerator Perry scored a touchdown. Dave, yeah, I what, what Bears player did not score a touchdown? And Coach Mike Dicka says to this day, it's one of his greatest regrets as a coach to not make sure this famous Chicago Bear running back got a touchdown that day. Walter Payton? Walter Payton, good job. Sweetness. The 27th, the 13th American Music Awards, Whitney Houston and my guy Huey Lewis, big winners that day. All right. I could dig that. Sad, 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 sad day on January 28th. The Space Shuttle Challenger explodes 73 seconds after liftoff from Cape Canaveral with all seven crew members killed, including Krista McAuliffe, who was the first teacher in space. And I watched this with my kindergarten class in the classroom. We were all sitting uh, Indian style, which is what we called it then. I think they call it crisscross applesauce now. But we were sitting with our legs folded um, underneath ourselves. Whole class was there watching it. 
And uh, I just remember the teacher saying it was time to go back to our desks. And she yeah. shut it off and didn't say another word about it. I, I wish I had a memory like that. I, I don't. But I remember I remember everybody being upset and everything like that. I'm not sure if they showed it in my, in my kindergarten or not. What time of the day did it happen? I had the morning. Uh, it was kindergarten. We still went half days. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, it happened I, probably like around lunchtime, maybe. Lunchtime. Yeah, it might have been out by then. Uh, and then uh, January 31st, uh, a very, very, very great day for um, Arne Anderson's sister, Mary Lund, of Min- yeah. Minneapolis, becomes the first female recipient of an artificial heart and receives a donor heart. So well, good for her. Good for Mary Lund and the whole Lund family, including Arne himself. And that's Indeed. the news for January of 1986. Very enjoyable. All right, Dave. Saturday night's main event, brother. Let's this start. memorable one. This is, and it, we start with the themes, uh, and the show opens with a bright, bright picture of a water slide, uh, a giant water slide, because the fun in the sun is going to be the theme kind of for the night, you know. Love um, it. There's the Halloween episode, you know, where they would they played the games, the themes. What's the other early themes, Dave? Mother's Day. Mother's Day, good one, yeah. And actually, believe it or not, it's Mother's Day, Halloween, and this one, they stopped them after this. Yeah. And, and didn't start them up again until um, when they were in like a jungle theme with animals, the Animal Kingdom, and then they did the Oktoberfest, which is really funny. That's all in 1990. So they did those three uh, early on, yep, 85 and, then and 86, then yep. again in the 90s. People think they were all themed when it's they only were. like six ep- six episodes, you know? Uh, I want to give a thank you to Justin Rosero and Scott Griscola from the Place to Be Nation. Sent me some notes uh, from their podcast so I didn't have to retranscribe them. Legends. Yep, I'm going to read some of that. So I just want to thank those guys. Make sure you check out their show, Place to Be Nation Wrestling Feed. Um, They're out in the year 2007 somewhere without. They're just like, to me, they're like in the middle of the ocean. And I don't know where to find them. They still do, like, the first half, though, they still do 93, where they were, like, the Herb Coon stuff, and the movies, and the pop culture is in 93. But then for the wrestling event, they jump to 2007. Yeah. I mean, I know they're out there, but I can't find them. Uh, We get a series of promos to kick things off. Uh, Hogan and Gene are drinking protein shakes. Uh, Piper and Jesse are getting massages by bikini babes. While watching the hillbillies float around in the lazy river, which is a hilarious, <laughs> hilarious spot. Uh, Vince and Jesse opened the show with Jesse Braggs about being the first announcer to call a show and wrestle on that show. And then he brings in Bobby Heenan to cover f- for him while he's away. And it's a, a, a historic moment in wrestling, Dave, right? Because it's Bobby Heenan's debut in the booth. Debut. A, you know, a lot of people might not know. They might think he, maybe he did a garden show in 85 or an all-star wrestling in 84, 85. Never. He didn't do any... Any uh, commentary might work until right here. And uh, so it's very historic. And this is Jesse's last TV match. Wow. So, Two I mean, he may names. have had something on Nessin or, you know, sure. Boston, something like that. But national TV. National TV, this is it for Jesse. Well, we got Mean Gene, and he's chatting with Piper, Jesse, and Orton in the aisle. And, of course, they're making fun of the Hillbillies, uh, bringing up their showdown in the last Serenity main event, which was the wedding. Uh, the. Gene then gives a turn to the Hillbillies. Jim says they're going to behave like pro athletes and their family honor is on the line and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And that brings us to the first match. Uh, and that is, of course, the six-man tag. 
of Jesse Ventura, Roddy Piper, and Bob Orton defeating Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and Cousin Luke at eight minutes. They gave him eight minutes. The heels win. Frustrate the Hillbilly family. Look at it's special to see Jesse. Uh, there's tons of comedy here. Watching Uncle Elmer and Cousin Luke, it's not my favorite wrestling, uh, but they pull it off here. It's a good eight minutes. They gave it a, they gave it time, but maybe not too much time. Uh, but really, it's about all the theatrics and the talking and the comments. You know, the Jesse making Piper making fun of the kissing <laughs> from the wedding and all that is really what it's about. Two carps. What are your thoughts, Dave? Uh, actually, I, I wanted to make mention this is the debut. Well, he debuted on TV earlier this day on Championship Wrestling. But the debut of Cousin Luke, who replaced Cousin Junior in the Hillbillies. And Cousin Luke's a Jersey guy, Gene Lewis, who uh, did the indies here for many, many years in the 90s and 2000s. And passed away maybe five or six years ago. But uh, I thought he brought some he brought some fire into this match. He did a lot. He did most of the ring work for the Hillbillies. And uh, it was better than it, it looks on paper. Yeah, and you, know, you and yeah, there was a lot of fire from cousin Luke and Hillbilly Jim, of course, a great character. Elmer never does too much, but um, I love the ending where Piper doesn't just put him asleep with a sleeper hold; he lets him go, and Luke makes a comeback, and then Ace hits uh, Luke with the with the cast coming off the ropes, and then Piper puts him back in the sleeper hold, and he's not really asleep; he's knocked out from the cast, and but the referee thinks he fell asleep from the sleeper hold. That's great booking. Yeah, in my opinion, that's that, that's something that that's missing. That's lost now. And uh, yeah, I, I thought for this could be the best hillbilly match there ever was. I thought this was really good. A lot of heat, you know, Jesse even moving around the ring a little better than usual. And he's such a he's such a bad guy, such heels here. And this is this is the night of the alternate uh, ring attire. because Obviously, we're going to see Hulk coming up in the blue. And you got Roddy Piper in strange yellow knee pads. Mm hmm. And also, yep. we got to mention the ring here in Tampa. It's blue yeah, it's, ring. It's, it's a weird really, ring. Really, it's, it's it's low off the ground, and the posts are sticking up. It's just like a lot of these arenas had their own ring, and they would instead, you know, I guess uh, expense save expenses. If they had their own ring, they would just use it. But going on NBC, and you know, they're four shows in now. You would think they'd want the regular WWF ring here. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. We may we may never know. But uh, yeah, the ring just doesn't look right for a this. You know, this looks like an NWA ring or something. This looks really dingy uh, for a big NBC show. You know, still pulled in a big rating, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, I should have mentioned earlier. This was taped on December nineteenth, eighty five. It's airing January fourth, eighty six, and it aired on NBC and drew a ten point four rating. What they would amazing? Not, they'd kill for a ten point four rating. You know, it, I was listening to. I know you're listening to some of it. The Conrad, uh, you know, the, um, something to wrestle podcast, Bruce Pritchard, they did the, all their Hulk shows. They put it in a big, long five-hour package recently to listen to. And Conrad just couldn't understand why Saturday night's main event got five, would always get five, five or six points lower than the 15.6 the main event got. Oh, Hulk I know. He's Andre. an idiot. It's in prime time. I know. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. It's, what, what, is, what is not to understand about that? I mean, this is it. I would assume an educated person. He's educated on other things. Is he just busting Bruce's balls? I have no idea. But this, what the, how hard is that to understand? I mean, even if you weren't watching at the time. Yeah, that's it's, it's tough. It's tough, brother. We go back to the water park. We're setting up for a water slide competition between JYD and Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jim says that Hart wants revenge for the branding on Saturday night's main event. JYD had stolen uh, the Funkers branding iron and 
lit up Jimmy's butt, and he wants revenge, and the only way he can figure it out, and that's a water slide race, I guess. Uh, but JYD wins, and Jesse <laughs> says it was an unfair start, uh, so we got some shenanigans maybe. Uh, but Jesse talks to Terry Funk, who says after he beats Hulk Hogan, all the national press will take his picture, so he wants to be sure to get a great tan for the SI cover. This is right around the time that Hulk was on right around the, time. the cover of Sports Illustrated, which eventually wrote an article about me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um you, you may be on the cover of 2022 coming up. Yeah. Unlikely, but they did write about me. So well, I'm gonna if take, they do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure w. I'm gonna make sure I cut a promo in Seaside Heights at Waterworks <laughs> out by the slide yep. about uh, how it should be Hollywood Dave Rollins on the cover yeah. of Sports Illustrated, brother. But uh <laughs> anyway, have you ever gone down one of those big slides? Yeah, I love it. Love it. Good and fun. you would always yeah, like I said, Waterworks Water and Seaside High, New Jersey, still there. I don't think they have the big slide like this. Anymore. You said you never but, went to the one the documentary is made about where they uh, they got injured. Yeah, that's Action Park. No, I Action never Park, been there. yeah. Because my parents owned a house; they still own it in you know Jersey Shore. So it's always like you know we're going there in the summer. Why go there? But anyway, we used to at these these slides. When we start getting a little older, thirteen, you know, twelve, thirteen years old. You'd wait for the girls to come down at the bottom because you always got a booby pop out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I would get a big wedgie. It'd be embarrassing. Like my shorts would come up, my you know butts would be hanging out like uh, Rikishi or something. Oh, uh, dude, you we know, had the that's... wave pool at Darien Lake, the, the uh-huh. amusement park here. There's a wave pool in the water park, and me and my friend would just go to the wave pool to see boobs. Yeah, I mean it was nonstop. Like every time non-stop. a wave would come, someone's shirt came down. Nonstop. So, yep. uh, unbelievable! As a fourteen-year-old, nothing better than that. Nothing better. I mean, the, 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 the things would just stick in your mind. It, even in the lazy river, you get like, I don't even want to get into get into some of this stuff here on the podcast. We might get canceled. But uh, as a fourteen-year-old, too, that's normal. It's normal. As a fourteen-year-old, boobs of all ages are great. Yeah, you know, you're normal. fourteen. You see a fourteen-year-old boob, you're good. You see a sixty-year-old boob, you're good. You just yeah, want to see a boob. Yeah, so it was a great time as a fourteen-year-old. Water, water park was the place. All right, next up is Hulk. We're going to skip all that stuff. We're going to save Hulk for the end. So fast forward ahead, and Gene catches up with George Steele and Lou Albano at the water park. Uh, Steele is playing with a rubber ducky in the waiting pool, and Gene asks if Steele will have any rust or be at 100%. Albano says he's going to be ready. Uh, Jesse's talking to Savage and Liz, and Liz frets. As Savage says, he's the macho man while Steele is the animal. Speaking of boobs. Ooh la la. Jesse reveals Liz can't swim, and Savage then throws her off a platform into a giant pool as she freaks out in the water. And this is the kind of thing that Peter Rosenberg, you know, oh complained about on that documentary that Annie did that was a hit piece. You know, like for some reason, people can't understand that that wasn't Randy and Liz. That was Macho Man. It's a skit. Yeah. But- it's a skit. Everything on wrestling. Is a skit. It was that, and in my kind opinion, of even the Montreal screw job. That's just my opinion. It's part of the, the show. Enough for it when because it, if it's Hulk Hogan or somebody they don't like, it's real. If it's CM Punk doing it, then it's okay. Then it, then it's part of the show. Or Daniel so now, Bryan. Just to switch gears, is this the first? This is the first. I want to say Jesse and George, or George and Macho Man match, right? Of many, it is the very first. The yeah, very. Many. First TV one. I TV, don't even think yeah. there was. I don't even think there was a house show one. I think this is their first meeting entirely. But it's Randy Savage with Elizabeth defeating George Steele with Captain Lou. I don't think yeah. we see Captain Lou with George in one of these matches again. Um, four, yeah, no. Four oh six. Uh, Randy makes kind of quick work of him, 
And it kind of is interesting because it feels a little bit like the end. Uh, but it's far from it. I mean, these guys will have so many matches, but it, it really did feel Well, it's because like, he fell in love with Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah he falls in it's love just, with Elizabeth here, and it's, yeah, it's away we go. Such beautiful booking. The animal, Beauty and the Beast, it's so simple but so good, and everybody was into this feud. People that look back at wrestling now, they say, but George Steele, the guy was over like a million bucks. He can't wrestle a lick. He can't wrestle, but he could work. There's two different things there. He could draw money. People, they mentioned him in Seinfeld. That means something. You know, they're, they're not mentioning, uh, you know, you say, Bret Hart, love him. They're not mentioning him in Seinfeld. They're mentioning George Animal Steel. There's something there. You know what I mean? That these fans today just want to That was on The Simpsons, though. Or the Simpsons, whatever. Ah. But, uh, yeah. Um, Point taken. Oh, Brett, Brett, you're saying point Brett taken. was on a Simpsons. You sure? Yeah. I, didn't yeah. I love Brett Hart. No, I, I get your bigger, point. Yeah, he's a, cult. I'm a much bigger Brett Hart he, he fan transcends, than George Steele, but... He transcends yeah. the match. Yeah. He transcends yeah. wrestling. He He's bigger than just George Steele, the wrestler. Yeah. And... But if people, adults, were into this. Yeah. Oh, the animal and Elizabeth. It was it was huge. It, yep. was, it, it was huge. One of the biggest feuds in WWF history, George Steele and, and Macho Man. And we'll be talking about it on and off on this podcast forever, pretty much. Yeah, uh, you can't get away from it. Next up, one of Paula's favorite things, a special 1985 year in review music video. She loves wrestling and music videos. Anytime those are together, she loves them, and she popped for this. Mostly just highlights from 85, lots of WrestleMania 1 stuff in there. And build the great Billy Ocean, when the going gets tough. When the going gets I love, tough. I love how they they put the movements of the wrestlers with the music. Every time Billy Ocean goes, whoa, you see like Vince McMahon singing. Or you see Macho Man some, doing something. And when you say, I got to get through to you, you see Orndorff pounding on the, on the dressing room door trying to get in. The whole, the whole song, I mean, the whole video goes with the words to the song, if you look back Amazing. at it. Really, really cool. Love the song. This is one of the songs I always connect with wrestling because they played it not only here. You know, they were played on the championship wrestlings and all-stars, you know, when they were going to break and stuff. This and Owner of a Lonely Heart. Constant. Anytime I hear it, I th- you know I think it's eh, this is a wrestling song. And this they, is they why you got to so watch much. if you can the originals because like this is obviously exactly. cut yeah, out no, on the yeah, network. Destroyed. They, they might as well just cut the whole whole segment out. Yep. Because it just it just ru- it completely ruins it. Uh, in Gene, my opinion, Gene talks to Nikolai about the big peace match tonight. Nikolai says it's the first step to end American superiorism due to better wrestling. Iron Sheik shows up and spits on America and Blassy. Says tonight proves America is a paper tiger, and that Sheik is just here to support his friend. It's nice to get classy Freddie Blassie on Saturday's main event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse talks to Kirshner at the water park. He talks about being able to parachute anywhere thanks to his training. Uh, Jesse says combat Texas won't be allowed in this peach, peace match. Just wrestling. Kitch- Kirchner shows the proper technique to drop into the water by hand gliding into it, and a special rest in peace to Corporal Kirshner who just recently passed away. Recently departed. It hit me a little hard. It's harder than I thought it was. With a, you know, Corporal. Young guy seemed, you know, seemed healthy. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think of him going. There was a rumor he died years ago. I in 2006. That. Yeah. yeah. And then when, when, when that wasn't true, you felt like he was going to live forever. Wasn't a giant fan of the guy, but, you know, he's, he's a big part of our era, the LJNs, the Bendies, and all. And, uh, yeah, and he seemed like, you know, I always thought he could have came back like, cause he was like green here, not not talking about his outfit, you know, yeah. green in the ring, and I thought he would have been a good 
a part of Sergeant Slaughter's crew as a bad guys, Iraqi sympathizers. They always got like the uh, military type guys. They got Sheik back. You know, they had Adnan Al Casey come in. I thought Corporal Kirsner could have come in with that raspy voice. I used to be Corporal Kirsner and and been good th- there. But uh, yeah, this is a cool segment. I remember always liking it as a kid there. And uh, Burning Heart playing by uh, the Great Survivor from Rocky Four. Nikolai belts out the national anthem as always. Good heat there. Kirschner's entrance cuts off the singing, and they're off. Uh, Volkov defeats Kirschner 432. Um, the first couple matches on this card were about eight minutes. The last few are about four minutes. That's how they split up the time. Uh, but in the end, the, the heel goes over, unlike at WrestleMania, uh, where they're going to flip it. So Yeah, and this was a, pe- a peace match for Gorbachev and um, Reagan. Yes. That just went down. Surprised yes. it wasn't in a. I was probably in the news of uh, December. Jan- yeah, exactly. December and November. Yeah. All right, we see clips of uh, Morocco surfing at the water park. Any, wait, anything else on that match? Or are you good? Uh, just you know the the summit of uh, Gorbachev and Reagan. I don't see how when I was rewatching it, I I didn't see how Nikolai really cheated. He clotheslined him on the rope. I guess it was supposed to be like a catch as catch can type match, like you know because shaking hands and everything because of the peace thing. But Nikolai got a little dirty and got the win. Of course. <laughs> Gene talks to Morocco and Fuji and says they have a history of using illegal moves in their matches. Morocco laughs it off and says maybe if he was a mailman, he'd be afraid of a dog. And Fuji talks about how they cook dogs in his country. You ain't kidding. And feed them to people. Gene not, chats. I'm not saying about his country. I'm talking about him. Right. Personally. Just wait, see what do you see what he does with Sika a few weeks. Uh, Gene chats with Steamboat and JYD. Steamboat says that everything possible has been done to him across the country, but Morocco still hasn't beaten him in the ring. Says JYD's the best man he could have in his corner tonight. JYD says they're setting bad trends for the kids, and he's going to help Ricky do something about it. Morocco and Fuji versus JYD, and Steamboat is next. Um, and we get 5 minutes and 19 seconds of a tag match which is won by the faces, Junkyard Dog and Steamboat, uh, win in the end, and everyone gets to, TV audience get to go um, happy. Uh, JYD gets the pin here, not Steamboat, uh, which maybe is a little uh, surprising, but Steamboat Morocco is still protected. Fun way to end the show, I thought. Red Hot Face Team, some really good stuff there. What are your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, both both of these guys were over the moon with popularity this time. Steamboat and Dog. Yep. Steamboat's in the attire. His LJN was supposed to come in with the red and the black. Way Yeah, the way it shows on the back of the card. And uh, Dog is like pulling like the SummerSlam 90 big boss man role. You know, he comes out with Hogan. We're about to talk about that. And has this big tag match here. So JYD is... All over this this show, and he was at the peak of his popularity in late 1985. That Christmas, again, I wasn't collecting the figures yet, but I've I've heard about it in hindsight. That that figure in uh, JYD figure in Christmas '85 was the hardest. Every you know everybody had Hulk already, so he was like the next popular guy. Like nobody can find it. Him and Piper that Christmas '85, and this is coming right off that. So he's featured uh, very heavily here in this match. Yeah, super over. Yeah, this this is just enhancing the Morocco uh, steamboat feud going on in the house shows. And if you're going to want to see Steamboat beat Morocco, you're going to have to go to the house shows to do it because, like we said, mm-hmm. JYD gets to in here. All right, we're going to go back now uh, to the Hulk match. Gorilla Monsoon narrates through some clips of a match between Hulk and Funk in Denver that ended when Funk bashed Hogan with the branding iron. 
giving Funk a count out, and then Funk hit Brandon Hogan after the match. You know, good, in, in good my good to see Grill on the Saturday Night's main event. In my research, unless I missed something, even before I didn't do this recently, I've done this before we've done the podcast, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even ten years ago. I looked up that match, the Denver match, and what I could I didn't relook it up now, but what I, all I could find back then was a match in Denver from November that Hulk won and Mr. T was in Hulk's corner. So I don't know if there was a rematch and, and this was the one or the match got restarted. Or they're just talking shit, yeah. Yeah, or I just messed up 10 years ago. I got I got to re- research that. Uh, Gene talks to Hogan in the aisle and Hogan talks about the events in Denver and says he has a special surprise tonight as JYD will be in his corner to ensure no nonsense this time around. And JYD will let Hogan do his thing and just keep an eye on Jimmy Hart. Uh, Hogan Funk Funk is in the ring as Hogan marches out in his parter blue tights, accompanied by JYD. Vince says this is Hogan's biggest match since Mania, and JYD grabs Hart and sits him in a chair as we get underway. Hogan wins a tie up and levels Funk with a clothesline in the corner, knocking him to the floor. Funk returns and lands a couple of chops, but Hulk ducks a charge and clotheslines him over the top to the floor. Crowd's going wild here. Uh, Hart tries to come over to help, but JYD chases him back to his seat, and Jesse bitches about it. Uh, Funk comes back in and drops down on a crisscross, but Hogan keeps running and stepping on him before eventually kicking him outside into the timekeeper's table. Yeah, great spot there, where he tumbled over a bunch of chairs. Funk regroups and gives it another go, this time driving Hogan into the corner and punching away, but Hogan turns the tables and unloads, taking Funk over with a back suplex for two. Funk finally finds daylight with a low blow mule kick and starts to work over the champ with the boots. Funk heads up top, but Hulk shakes the ropes and he falls and crotches himself. Hogan drills him with an atomic drop and a headbutt before smashing him with a clothesline and an elbow drop. Hogan grabs a side headlock when Funk shoots him into the ropes. Hart hooks his foot. Hogan comes out after him, leading to JYD chasing Hart under the ring. And they have a great camera angle of them like looking under the ring at him. Uh, which I thought was yeah, well yeah, done. Yeah, never, they never did that with Doink or anything later. Yeah, it was really cool. You could see him under there, yeah. With the referee tied up, Funk was able to choke Hogan out with his wrist tape. Uh, Funk fouled with a pile driver for a close fall, leading Jesse bitching about a slow count. Funk punches away, and the crowd and JYD work to rally Hogan, who then hulks up and clubs Funk with right hands and a back elbow. Hogan fouled with a big boot that knocked Funk to the floor. Hart hopped on the apron with the branding iron and cracked Hogan in the ribs with it during a suplex, allowing Funk to fall on top for a close near fall. But Hogan gets his foot on the ropes. Really well done. Swerve there, especially for the, yeah, it was good. the audience, I think, really bought into it. Uh, if you couldn't see his foot, you know. Uh, JYD comes over and levels Hart as Hulk recovers and cracks Funk with a running clothesline for the win. Now, this is Justin Rosero from Place to Be Nation. This is his opinion, so we might as well get it. Really good TV title match with some nice drama and lots of brawling. Having JYD outside added some excitement. Both guys kept chugging and never slowed up. And near fall on the branding iron shot was well executed and a good tease. Fun match and a nice showing for Funk, and he gave it three stars. Uh, Gene talks to Hogan in the ring who says he hasn't had enough and wants more of Funk. JYD joins in and Jim compliments him on his work here tonight. So that was the uh, the Hogan match. Thoughts, Dave? Okay, I just want to make mention right off the bat that this is the TV debut and possibly the, the debut entirely of Hulk coming out to Real American. 
the iconic amazing real american now this was hulk came out to it december 30th at the garden against macho man but uh this was actually taped before then this was december 19th was it here in the back that they said hey we just got a a memo from the band survivor that you can no longer use eye of the tiger what do you want to do well take Rotendo and Wyndham's song they've just left the company i don't know i would love to know or did he come out to this 10 nights before at some other house show that wasn't televised i don't know We'll never know. But for now, we, I'd like to think that somewhere back there in the Sun Dome, they came up with the idea for Hulk to come out to Real America. This is before the Real American video. Actually, a lot of shots from this match are in the Real, Real American video. Yep. When, when Terry Funk uh, back kicks him in the balls, that's when Hulk, when it comes crashing down, it hurts inside, they show Hulk falling down to that right there. So this match is iconic in so many ways for that. You know, the blue ring, I think the match is great. I think I, with this probably happened in a lot of Saturday night's main event matches, but I can really tell in this one that it was edited a lot. I think there's like four or five more minutes of this match because you can tell by the way Hulk was sweating and stuff like that. It was just, I don't know, it just feels like there, were, there was part of the match was edited out, which probably happened a lot in Saturday night's main event. Um, but yeah, great match and uh, credible opponent here. I mean, yeah, you know, Funk even was back, great. He really was. Yeah, yeah, even back in 85, like a few shows before this, I can't see how anybody would think Nikolai was going to win. Love Nikolai, but Nikolai was going to win the belt for, from Hogan or even even Bob Orton. But this one, you know what I mean? He, uh, Funk was he was scary, and he had all the past credentials as former champion. He's on the level of a Harley race, you know, and when Harley, Ra- Harley race comes in uh, a few months after this. And, uh, yeah, and it's just a really good match, fast-paced, like Justin said. I love the uniqueness of it. Hogan, you know, wearing the blue on TV. And the, uh, even though the ring is dingy, it's still cool. It makes it unique. The blue ring, the arena looks different. It's, uh, yeah, it, it was a great match. And Hogan winning with the clothesline, you know, uh, it, it, that's a quick move. Boom, one, two, three. Funk pops right back up to fight another day. If Hulk flattens him with the leg drop, it's kind of like it's over, decisive, boom. So this is almost like one step up from a DQ win. The quick clothesline, one, two, three. Oh, you just caught me. So uh, I'm gonna go three stars. This this was a great match. I wish they. I think they should have had a rematch on Saturday Night's Main Event. I think it should have kept going. What they ended up doing, you know, the, like we said, they had the Denver match, like Gorilla Monsoon said, and um, they had a few more matches. They had a Philly match that was aired on Prism, and uh, but after this, uh, the feud ter- turned into tag teams: Hogan and JYD against Terry and Dory. You know, Dory comes in on TV right after this as Hoss. So it turns into those matches. Sometimes Hulk and Dog had, um, uh, what's the his name? The, uh, how am I, how, why am I drawing a blank here? Help me out. Little Beaver's friend. Haiti the Black kid. Midget. The Haiti Kid. They'd have the Haiti Kid with them. And uh, the Funks would have Jimmy Hart wrestling you know, on their side. So that was kind of cool. But really not too many more one-on-one Hulk uh, Funk matches. I think it would have been cool to have a rematch, maybe even a cage or a Texas death match. I thought they worked very well together. They were friends. Terry Funk ended up being on Thunder in Paradise years later. I'm sure they're still uh, friends to this day. Well, and um, let me throw this out. Let's say three weeks from the airing of this, two weeks from the airing, whatever it happens to be, there's a Royal Rumble to be oh wow purchased on pay per view that night, and it's gonna have a Hulk Championship match. Hulk's not gonna be in the Rumble just for the sake of this exercise. Let's say it's that way. Um, there's going to be a rumble and there's going to be a Hulk title match. Is Funk the guy you want to see in that spot? Or is it someone else here? Is January of 86? Well, right now, Bundy's I'm all in the funk- future. We're not going to get the Bundy. Bundy's a super. Yet, I'm so. all funked up because of this. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm all funked up. 
But uh, so yeah, I'll say Funk, but Macho Man's right right there in the uh, you know has to be in the conversation too because he's doing a lot of a lot of house show work with him. But uh, yeah, coming off this, if if they're gonna have a pay per view, if you do, if you don't have Hulk at the quick pin, if you do some kind of schmaz here and come back in the cage at the pay per view, can't go wrong. I Did was I grade gonna, it? I, I, I'm, you gave I'm gonna it go three. three. Just, I think three is probably right, but I wanted to go higher than Justin. It hurt my pride. If, so I went 3.25. Yeah, but I had I seen know. Justin's grade ahead of time. I'm like, I can't let it be the same as Justin. I, now, he's grading it differently again. He's grading it versus all matches. Yeah, so but we're kind of comparing us. it to Hulk matches. So that's just saying he really liked it, maybe a little bit more than we did. Um, and I couldn't let that happen. So I, I gave a little bit of a little curve more. and did 3.25, but whatever. If I'm, you know. if I'm right about it being edited, it would probably be bumped up if you saw the whole match. Right. Definitely three and a half, four even maybe if the whole thing's there. My own, basically, what I'm trying to say is my only problem with it is quick. It's a little quick, even for a yeah, Saturday. I mean, it's eight main minutes. Event match. It's eight minutes. Is it eight minutes? If it, for some reason it felt quicker to me. Yeah. Some of his matches that are eight minutes seem longer. Maybe because it was so good, seemed yeah. quicker. Maybe, and like, by quick. Like Justin said, even in the description, is they didn't really stop. There wasn't a no. rest hold or anything. You know, they yeah, went. Thumb, the thumbs pace, way up. Yeah, pace pace was good. All right, this is a great way to start the year. Great way to start the show. Uh, but no 24-inch podcast is uh, is complete without the beautiful Paula Bennett. So let's take a break, and we will return to the sweet little voice of Paula Bennett and emails and plugs and discussions about the second episode of Season 2. So let's take a break, Dave. You ready? Can't wait. We'll be right back. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of I do have some plugs. For the first time in season two of the 24-inch podcast, we do welcome the beautiful Paula Bennett to the show. Good to hear her voice again. Don't forget that you can hear this episode and all episodes of both seasons of the 24-inch podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. And of course, that RSS feed was originally launched for the Sportscasters podcast. Uh, which just celebrated, Dave, its 11th birthday on January 11th. Yes, 11 years since the first episode of the Sportscasters, which was launched the day after the BCS national title game between Oregon and Auburn, won by Auburn and Cam Newton. Um, you enjoy that game so much. You said, I got to talk about (laughs) it right now. I got to do something. Well, the funny thing is, is that the author's, Jeff Passan was the first guest of the Sportscasters, and he was promoting a book called Death to the BCS. Uh, so Whoa. it was just timely because the BCS championship game had been played, and there was a book out 
about the evils of the BCS, which has since died and has been replaced by the college football playoff, uh, which hasn't been much better, but was won the other night, Dave, by? Oh, yes, uh, Georgia. Georgia, the Bulldogs, who are beloved by? Steve Bennett? Tony Schiavone. I would have been here all night. (laughs) Yeah, Tony Schiavone worked worked there for a while. I'm a big Tony Schiavone fan. He just got a a nice big um, contract renewal from the money mark, Tony Khan, so good for Tony Schiavone. Very good for Schiavone. Uh, At sports underscore casters on Twitter uh, for more information about the Sportscasters podcast, which, like this show, uh, will be launching its next season soon. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the 24-inch podcast on our social medias uh, at 24-inch podcast on Twitter, uh, 24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram. It's picking up too, the, the Instagram. The uh, Instagram lately. game has been picking up. I've been uh, noticing more wrestling accounts are kind of linking to it and interacting with like us. That. Yeah, exactly. That's been really good. Uh, shout out to uh, one of the throwback WWF sites. And I were talking, and they posted the uh, six-man elimination match for me on there. Um, yeah, my man, Chizad. Chizad. All right, shout-out to Chizad. Uh, and don't forget to check out our Facebook group. Uh, just go to Facebook, search 24-inch podcast, click on groups, and uh, it's a private group. Ask for an invite. We'll, we'll, we'll link you up, and we have a good time in there. And uh, in that section is where some of our questions come from every week on the show. Also, don't forget to check out Greetings from Allentown. Uh, the Greetings from Allentown podcast started a few years back by my friend Peter Winson, uh, who is in Massachusetts near Boston, big fan of the Boston Bruins, season ticket holder, uh, enjoyed the Bruins victory over the Canadians just last night. Uh, Peter started his one-man show, one of the best one-man podcasts I've ever heard, wrestling or otherwise. Kind of kind of kind of wound that show down uh, for the most part, but still almost every week does Greetings Around Town Live uh, with his friend Keithy, uh, where they cover a whole bunch of topics. Uh, so shout out to Greetings from Allentown, uh, one of our favorites. I also wanted to give a shout out the North-South Connection, uh, which yes. is run by Justin Rosero, had a really great podcast up uh, recently where he interviews people. Dave, you know the name of it? Uh, where he interviews people uh-huh. about their wrestling fandom. And uh, our, fr- our friend John uh, D'Amato was on it. What was the name? Top of my head, uh, I'm blanking, brother. Okay. Well, yeah. it, whatever. If you go to the North-South Connection feed, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find uh, the episode uh, recently with uh, John D'Amato. And I think there will be an episode with me very soon on that, that show would be as awesome. well. Yeah, so I want to give a shout-out to not only D'Amato, but Justin and everyone for the hard work at North-South Connection, Place to be Nation Wrestling, Place to be Nation Pop Feed, and also the Jenny Position. Uh, All friends of this show, uh, good people doing good work, working hard, all different kinds of wrestling uh, topics there and shows. Hopefully you'll find something you enjoy. All right. And uh, I was going to say real quick, Justin's had had three guests on that show so far, and they're all friends of our show, the 24-inch podcast. Rocco Martone. Yes, Rocco. Peter Winston, and then, of course, uh, uh, the model. And then I think he so. had told me he's going to have the guy from the history of the WWF podcast. What's his name, Graham? Graham Cawthorn. I believe he's next, and then I think I'm up. 
I think. Wow, wow, wow. So we'll see. Uh, otherwise, plug-wise, I think we're good for this week, and that means we will transition into emails. And, Paul, would you like to go first, honey? Yeah. All right, what do you got? What's your first email, baby, baby? I don't know. You don't know? Well, who's it from? Take your notes down there. Let me know. who. Did Gregory email us this week. Oh, she's getting her notes down. Hold on. Hold on, Paul. She's looking over her notes. She's got some emails. She's got some stuff scribbled there. Let me see, Paul. Let me translate for you. All right. We got an email from my nephew, Gregory. Uh, and Gregory wants to know, with Christmas just passing, I noticed the video on the 24-inch podcast group of Dave giving Paula a Miss Elizabeth doll for Christmas. Wow. Very nice of Dave. Made me think of this. What's the best wrestling-related Christmas gift you ever received? And that's for everyone. Um, yeah. You want to start, Paula? Gregory wants to know, what's the best wrestling-related Christmas gift you've ever got? Does it, does it have to be for Christmas? Or no, I guess not. Um, I think it's when I got a Shiki baby. When you got a Shiki baby. Oh, yeah? Who got you that? Dada. I got you a Shiki baby, and that was yeah. a good gift? Uh-huh. Cool. Was it at the LJN one? Yeah, Shiki Baby's got an awesome LJN. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of gifts that you've gotten for Christmas over the years. You got your Macho Man shirt. Mm-hmm. You got a Hulk Hogan shirt one year. You got a Hulk Hogan shirt from Dave last year. Wow. Uh, you got what? your wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got you've done well Christmas wise. What about you, Dave? Any great Christmas gifts? I got a great. I got a great story. I may have told it once, so I'll try to condense it here. Uh, this this one's far. Far beyond any other wrestling Christmas gift. I started my LJN collection a year late in the summer of 86. They came out in June of 85. So by this time, you could not find Jimmy Snuka anymore. He was gone from the WWF. I mean, I found the Bulldogs. I found everybody. Couldn't find a Snuka. LJN, we wrote a letter to them. They wrote back, said Snuka was discontinued. The most they could do was send us the poster. LJN sent me the poster that comes with Snuka, but no Snuka. Couldn't get one. Christmas came, like I said, I got the Bulldogs, Macho Man, all of his bendies, whoever I didn't have, I got. Christmas of 86. No snooker in my house. Then we went over to my auntie and Uncle Tito's house to give them their gifts. They lived around the corner, and they gave me a gift that looked like a, you know, a clothes. It was in the, you know, it wasn't a, didn't look like toys. But I opened the thing thinking it was going to be a t-shirt or something, and it was a loose snooker. My aunt got him from uh, her, her friend's grandson or something. So that, that was just uh, on top of the world Unbelievable. with that. So, yeah, there it is. So I would have to say that my coolest wrestling-related Christmas gift was my ticket to WrestleMania six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got a ticket to WrestleMania six for Christmas. Did, one you, year. did you ask for it or did it just come out of nowhere? Uh, I didn't ask for it, but we had discussed that with it being in Toronto that we were it was like on the radar of something we potentially might do. Um, kind of grades dependent. It was like a carrot for me, you know. Hey, keep working hard in school, do good in school, grades wise and behavior wise. And WrestleMania is only an hour away. We can go to it this year, realistically. And I was like, okay. And then the next thing that was brought up was nothing. And uh, it like you came in a um, a closed box, you know, where it's very obviously closed. And then when I opened it. But it was very light, the box. You know what I mean? So yeah. I didn't know what could be in it because it was a classic department store size box. And then when yeah, I opened yeah, it up, it, it was a uh, Kaufman's box, which was a 
I think eventually became Macy's. And um, I opened it up and just the little envelope, ticket envelope. So I knew it was a ticket and opened it. Thought it would be Sabres tickets. And it was WrestleMania okay. 6. Yeah. So. Awesome. You didn't even know the main event yet. You know what I mean? No. So. I didn't know much. I don't know if I knew a match at all, I don't think, at that point. So you, yeah. you must have been, uh, as they were announcing everything, you must have been getting going wild, you know? And I remember my mom saying that they didn't know how good the seat was, but they're pretty sure it was really good that the lady had told them that. And then when we got there, I mean, if it wasn't the worst possible seat you could get, <laughs> it was in the top 10 worst seats. I mean, it was... Sky Dome was brand new, too. Yeah, nobody knew. And I I think they intended to buy a seat, and I think they intended to sell them a good seat, but they just didn't know what they were doing or what they were selling. Yeah, with that little ring. And it was just a bust. It was so far away. Really, the better play would have just been to watch at home. But but in, hind- in hindsight, now you're happy. It's cool to have been there, I guess, yeah. you know. But, I mean, we were so far away. So far away. Yeah, I used to, even with the Garden, if I was I, on the pay-per-view, SummerSlam and WrestleMania 10, I'd be on that riser just above the floor. And it's tough, you know, for being a little kid. It, it's, it's, it's tough to take everything in. But I'm just happy I'm there. You got another one, Paula? Or should we let Dave do one real quick? All right, Dave, you're up, buddy. What's up? What do you got? Okay, guys, uh, we got a staple here from 24 Inch Podcast Season 1, Kevin Hogan. Kevin! Uh, returned. Returned for Season 2, and he wants to know, here's his question. What's up, guys? You guys probably have already answered these questions earlier in the podcast, but here it goes anyway. Number one, this is the first U.S. match that I've ever seen Hogan with using the Axe Bomber to finish off his opponent. Why do you think they went with that as opposed to the big leg drop? And the second part of the question is, what was up with the mint green trunks and boots? Yeah, pa- uh, Paula noticed that outfit, too, right away. I guess I'll go first. Um, with the, um, the Axe Bomber as a finisher, there could be two reasons behind this. The number one, fin- you know, which is a clothesline. He clotheslined Terry Funk, did not drop the leg and pinned him. There's two reasons. The one reason, first reason I would say, is that it's getting catching him quick, so it's not flattening Terry Funk out. The big leg drop and pinning him is pretty much of a decisive finish. A quick clothesline, a quick three count, where Terry Funk could pop up after it. Oh, you caught me quick, so there could be business to come down down the road. It doesn't really kill off the character of Terry Funk. It was a quick move. He got the quick three on him, and Terry Funk popped up. He wasn't hurt. Whereas the leg drop will lays you out. Hogan defeated you, you know, and that's it. But the second part could be that dingy little Tampa ring that they use. Hulk may not have wanted to drop the leg on his butt in that ring. It was a very strange ring, like right. we mentioned earlier. And, uh, yeah, he, he might not have been comfortable dro- dropping the leg in that ring. So it's one of those two reasons. What do you guys think? I was just wondering if maybe he had worked overseas a little bit more with Funk as opposed to in the U.S. And if that was just more their rhythm and their kind of mm. their – you know, that was maybe the match they were most comfortable with working. That's a good point. Um, based on previous uh, matches overseas that they may have had, where Hulk used well. this finish a little bit more. So that was my thought. And I noticed the the outfit. Paula as, as well noticed the outfit. Remember when we were watching this one, Hulk just doesn't look right in that. I mean, you just... Yeah. It's cool to see him that way once in a while, but um, you can't beat the yeah. red and the yellow, you know? Well, yeah, to answer the question, in my opinion, um, uh, the blue boots and stuff, he used to wear the all-white sometimes, too, alternate outfits. He would mix it up till about around 
after WrestleMania three. The last time I saw him in white was against Harley Race at the Garden at the Texas Death Match, June of eighty seven. After all that, it was red and yellow. Now I actually asked Hulk Hogan this at the Beacon Theater why he eventually took out all the other colors and just stuck with red and yellow. His answer, uh, you know, was he something along the lines of Angelo Poffo told him to do it to pop his tan because he wore yellow and everything. That's Hulk's answer. I think another reason to put on top of that is they wanted him to have colors, like a football team, like a baseball team, basketball team. You know, he's the red and yellow. It's like McDonald's. It's popping. I think they wanted Hulk to have colors, so you always know that's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's when it's mixed up and stuff. I know Cena mixed up the colors, but, you know, different time, different place. Hogan, I think McMahon wanted a certain look for him and to have his colors like, you know, the football team. Would have. It's his star on the helmet. You know what That's I mean? It. It's his star on the helmet. So That's it. For sure. No, I, I kind of like the, uh, I know it does look weird, but I thought he, I thought he looked good in this. Uh, yeah, I thought he looked good too. It just looks different. Same as uh, No Holds Barred. He wore that at the last match with uh, Zeus. You know, the movie, obviously. All right. couple comments from our Facebook page, 24-inch podcast on Facebook. Uh, from our good friend Jared Signs, he says, Happy New Year, Steve, Dave, and Paula. I always thought this match felt so different than other Hogan matches during the era, and Funk seemed like a legit madman who might not even be able to beat Hogan, but could hurt him. Uh, no specific question for this episode, just looking forward to hearing all of your takes on it. And P.S., the last name is pronounced like the word Signs. No one ever gets it right. Yeah, we brutalized signs, it last signs, time. Everywhere, signs. Sorry, Jared. Uh, best love to you, though. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, brother. Yes. Uh, and also our friend Jay Arsenio D'Amato, previously mentioned, uh, says it's Jesse's lone in-ring appearance on Saturday Night Live. And I love Piper, Jesse, and Ace celebrating their victory like they won a championship. Uh, and Dave, you followed that up by also mentioning uh, gave birth to Bobby's first time ever on commentary. So yeah, uh, I, he never did never did anything in '84, or '85. No Garden shows yet, no TV yet, no All Star Wrestling yet. This was the first time Bobby was be uh, behind the mic in the booth, uh, right there with Vince McMahon. So that's history was being made right there. Obviously, and isn't it funny? Bob Bobby's first time in a mic and Jesse's last TV match, all in one. Unbelievable history made. All right, Paula's got another email here. Uh, this one comes from her mother, Tammy. Tammy. Uh, uh, she says, uh, Dear Paula, uh, let the listeners know uh, how your Christmas vacation went. What were some of the best parts, some of the worst parts, and also tell them about the last part and what was crazy about it. Go ahead, baby. Okay. Talking to that mic. Tell the listeners. Well, the first, the worst thing that I liked about was that I got to see my cousins. Okay, they came over, right? Mm-hmm. And we tell everyone what you got for Christmas. I got a chalkboard, and I got... What did Anthony get you? He got me American Girl doll. Yeah, and where's she from? The 80s. Yeah, what's her name? Courtney cool. 86, right? Yeah. Right. I think I used to date somebody with that name, yeah. Courtney 86. And what's her favorite video game? Pac-Man. Very cool. And what else did you do around Christmas time? Um, I love... A lot of relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what happened right when you went back to school? Yeah. Tell the listeners. Right into that mic. What'd you get? A present. <laughs> what present was it? Covering. COVID-19? 
Follow no, no. Yeah, it got her for a couple of days, but you weren't really sick, were you? No. It's a little bit of a fever. COVID. Stupid COVID. Oh. Thank God you're okay. That's all I got. She's to all good. Everyone in the house got it. Everyone was sick for about a day, and worst symptom was fever. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. So very much, very much ended up being at least in this household. And Tammy and I are both vaccinated, so maybe that lessened the effect of it. I don't know. Uh, but for Who us, knows? it was just a He's cold, yeah. and we were moving on with our lives. But Paul was All very, very thank tough. God that, thank God that you guys were okay with it. Yep, Paul was very tough. All right, Dave, what's next on your end? Uh, we got one from uh, Tim Mangione, the unpredictable one from uh, Los Angeles, California. He's got a quick one. Is it true that Harley Race pulled a gun on Hogan in 87 in Kansas City? He had another question, but shocker, he forgets. Okay, um, uh, it's true, but it was 85, not 87. And uh, all parties have admitted to this, so I guess it's true. Uh, Hogan was taking a dump, taking a poop. I know Paul's on the line, so I won't say S-H-I-T. And uh, in the arena, and Harley was standing out there with a gun, confronted him. Who knows if it was really a gun or him just confronting him with his hands or something. But the, Snickers the story bar is, in the, par- in yeah. the pocket, yeah. Hogan told Race, listen, you know, uh, it's nothing to do with me. You're talking to the wrong guy. Talk to talk to the big guy. Call Vince. Anyway, long story short, Harley called Vince, and Harley was working for the company in five months. Yep. End of story. <laughs> yep. Yeah, everyone sort of told a different version of it, uh, but it all comes down to the same thing. Yeah, Hulk, Hulk and threw, Harley had a hell of a run together. Hulk threw Vince under the bus, and they all made money together down the line. It worked out for everyone. All right, anything else, right. Dave? All right, what do we got next week, Dave? What's on the next episode of the 24-inch podcast? New season means a new year, and it means in where we live, it's cold outside, and it's January. And when it's January, what do you think of? The Royal Rumble, brother. And we've already done the 91 Royal Rumble in season one. So season two, we thought about it nice and slowly and finally came up with the 89 Royal Rumble. A lot of good stuff in there from the summit in Houston, Texas, January 15th, 1989. A big action at the pay-per-view here at my household. We're watching it. We had a fire and everything else. So a lot to dig a lot to dig into. And uh, Steve, what do you think? I love Rumble time. I always loved when it fell in the week where there was no football. Um, around this time was when the Bills were always making their Super Bowl runs. Mm-hmm. And everyone around here was all hit their head in football, uh, but this would have it that perfect week where there was no, after the conference championship games, but before the Super Bowl, and everyone around here is in a good mood. The Bills are going to Super Bowl. My parents were in a good mood. It's easy to convince them to order it. I never didn't watch a rumble. Um, my whole, from 88 all the way to probably 93 or whatever the last one yeah. I watched was. Uh, definitely 92, so it was after that, but I never missed one. Always loved getting it. And even when I'm down on wrestling, if it's happening, I'll try to watch it. Um, Same. Um, not the whole show, but maybe the match itself. I'll get into the Rumble itself. Um, every once in a while, at least, I'll check out and see if there's a surprise or whatever. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that one. It's going to be a great episode, and it's going to be a great season. Dave and I talked about it earlier. Looking forward for the first time to getting into the room, uh, convention hall. Uh, promoting our show, meeting people. Hopefully, you can join us in New Jersey in May. Uh, and, Marstown. Yep, yeah, and we got all kinds of episodes planned. Um, all kinds of different periods of Hulk's career. We're gonna spread it out 
all the way from maybe we'll try to do uh, one of the shows from the 80s and Hulk's original WWF run with classy Freddie Blassie as his manager. Paul's been wanting to do one of those. Uh, we'll Very probably cool. do at least one more WCW one this year. You know, maybe we'll even do a TNA or uh, one of the Whoa. ones from Hulk's comeback into the WWF. Uh, maybe his SummerSlam match against Shawn Michaels has been requested by Randy Krupski. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we do that in SummerSlam time since it's on our request list. Uh, but we're going to do everything we can in the name of Hulk Hogan and 80s nostalgia to entertain everyone. And we appreciate everyone for listening. So with all that said, there's really only one thing left uh, for this episode. Um, and that is I just ask everyone to please say your prayers, uh, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother, yes.